From a young age, he knew he would be rich. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. I've never known anyone as focused as he is. It's amazing. He is humble enough to know everybody is ignorant on different subjects. There are no mistakes. There really aren't any because you have a supreme destiny. Most things that I'm involved with are extension of being creative. Plant your seed in the ground, water it, and believe. Do things that are true to you. All right, I'm in here with my man St. John. Finally, we made this happen. Finally. Um, you know, it's been a long time since, well, not that long since we first met. It was like, I don't know, maybe like nine months to a year ago. Yeah, that feels about right. It's and a it good was, timing. It was funny because like I had been put onto your music uh, by a couple of friends and was listening to it. And then a mutual friend, uh, Sujit from Scan right. Artist, he was like, yo, there's this guy, St. John, that we want, I want to bring through and introduce you. I was like, are you kidding me? Collection One is like my favorite album <laughs> right now. So I got to meet you, and the first time we met, you know, it was it was one of those things where you have a project that you love so much, and you really hope that the artist is gonna like impress and be what right. you, what you. You think want them to it. live up to it, and you did it, bro. That's good. From the moment you kind of came in, and you you, you rock up in a uh, a Jag drop top. Yeah, that's not my usual, but yeah. That's not usual. Yeah. Normally the Porsche? Usually a Porsche. Okay. Yeah. So you're changing it up a little bit. I don't know if I switched. I think I was I was in a difficult situation that day. What do you mean? What's a difficult situation? <laughs> how you start this with a difficult situation and don't expect me to be like, explain. I just think it was an, un- it was an unconventional day. It was. A- I sound like I have first world problems. Oh, that did. Nah, it was cool. I just didn't have <laughs> I a, I have a Porsche. Yeah, I have a Porsche. I don't, I don't own a Jack. You don't, don't know, but okay, but you were just leasing one for the day. Yeah, I was just renting one, yeah. yeah. When I'm in L.A., I like moving around in L.A. in the way I'm supposed to. This is like, I don't normally do my Game Changers interviews with people outside the studio, but right. today we're at your pop-up store yeah. in uh, Beverly Hills, which, you know, like, it's great to see you out here and see the excitement right. about fashion. Fashion, yeah. Is fashion something that, you know, has been in your, your blood for a long time? I mean, always. But I think anybody who's grown up in New York, anyone who came from a, like a, a super urban environment, mm-hmm. they, like we all get that because you don't have the opportunity. You, your statements about yourself have to be um, really clear and visible mm-hmm. when you come from a hood or an impoverished situation. Yeah. How you feel about yourself, you wear it. Mm-hmm. It's your mask. Is that so, where your background comes from? Like, how, how was it growing up for you? In the East Coast. I mean, I grew up super poor. I grew up from the bottom of the bottom. I grew up between two project buildings. And my mom would make sure that we wouldn't live in the projects because for her, that was the absolute bottom. Yeah. For her, that meant we'd never make it out because it's a system that sort of entraps you. So she moved us a block away from the projects. And, you know, you develop a sense of style because you grow up super urban, super street, mm-hmm. a certain acumen, like business first. Yeah. Even in even as a yeah, as a kid, you get business first because all the hustlers around the corner from you, all for the sure. drug dealers Everyone's at the end of the money, block. One way or another. Yeah. And so fashion became like second nature. Mm-hmm. What Jordans you gonna wear today? Yeah. Are you still wearing Jordans? I'm not wearing Jordans now. What TN Air Max you gonna wear today? Are you wearing those? I'm not wearing those. I'm on the Sacconis. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm doing the New Balance. I got a new colorway. I'm on a Hyper Quick Strike, uh, NMDs or whatever. Yeah. So streetwear and fashion became a huge, huge thing because you can say something about yourself without ever opening your mouth. Not everybody was articulate, right? Yeah. So we can't all represent ourselves with fantastic words. Some mm-hmm. of us just got good taste. Like that shirt gonna say it for me today. What was your taste back then? Like what were you, you know, like you see, I see what you're wearing today and you know, the, the flavor and you have your own style that yeah. I wouldn't really like compared to a lot of other people. Back then, what we, what would we see you in? I think something similar. I'm, I'm the same guy I've always been. I think the clock just hit 12 the second time. Mm-hmm. What yeah. music was your mom listening to? 
You know what's funny? I didn't go. My mom. My mom is a like a. She's a minister, right? Mm-hmm. She's a, not a pastor. She's a minister. She has her own church. I grew up listening to church music. Like she, mm-hmm. I didn't listen to it. Yeah. But she played the church music. I didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But it's church music from the Caribbean. Yeah. So it was, it's it's. Like it ain't sexy. A lot different to it. Yeah, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't like, oh, say them don't the yeah. in it and laying down a hole. It wasn't <laughs> like that. South, it yeah. wasn't. It was like, mom, what is this? We mm-hmm. bacon, salt, fish, something. Yeah. Because I'm from the Caribbean, mm-hmm. South America, Guyana. Shout out to Guyana too. For sure. You you do a lot of your recording out in the the Caribbean, right? I record a bit outside of the U.S. So mm-hmm. I was all geared up to go finish. This project I'm working on in the Caribbean now. Yeah. Wait, yo, this sounds. When I hear myself talk, it sounds so luxurious. You. <laughs> it sounds so I think that, sexy. That probably has something to do with <laughs> why the girls are all fawning over you. Do they? Is it probably they got do? something. I to, well, I was just, I was just telling you before about a girl at the station. I said I was coming over here to shoot a little piece with with uh, Saint John, and she was like, "Oh my God, I just love that guy." That's dope. I just love. I'm like. <laughs> I, w- I wish a girl would one day talk about me like that. I'm sure they do. They are. Maybe not I'm in sure front they of you. Maybe not in front of you. Not yeah. in front of you. Because they think they want you to be, they want you to have some humility about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not okay for you to be sexy and say, I'm sexy. You got to be like, oh, who, me? Oh, yeah. Little See, I'll, I'll be Dustin. waiting on you to tell me about the girls that are like, yo, that Dustin Skipworth dude? Mm-hmm. Facts. You got to let me know. Facts. <laughs> so growing up, you know, you, you, like, I want to like just stay on, on you growing up a little bit uh, before we get into kind of the music and the fashion side that you've right. got going on now. You know, you, you said your mom, uh, she, she made sure you didn't live in the projects. W- what did that do for you as a kid growing up? Like, did that tell you something? I think for me, personally, I think it gave me an advantage mm-hmm. because there's an ecosystem within the projects, right? Yeah. And all my friends lived in the projects. And I had the proximity to it, but I didn't live in a pro- I didn't live in that. So we were on Section Eight, mm-hmm. like everybody else, but it was slightly different, a step removed yeah. from that entrapment. Because you got to keep look when you live in a project, you got to make a certain amount of money, a certain minimum or maximum amount of money, mm-hmm. so you can keep your um, rent subsidized. Yeah. So, in effort, you either you aren't super ambitious and you don't go forward, or your ambitions are limited because in order to protect your or your survival or your circumstances, the kids you're raising, mm-hmm. you can't make more than $11,000 a year. Crazy. And you know you don't. You might not have the education to make um, eighty dollars or $90,000 a year that's necessary to sustain these kids. Mm-hmm. So you got to live in a situation where you live within a glass ceiling Yeah. so that you can feed your, your children and provide for them. So for me, it gave me an advantage. My mom was like, you're going to be a step away. Mm-hmm. Just one step away. Just one. Look, when you're coming out of nothing, the wind at your back is a good enough motivator. You know, that's an additional, that's an incentive. Yeah. Did other kids look at you as if you had more than them? Absolutely not. No, we grew up super poor. We were all poor. Yeah. We were all broke. We were all fucked up. None of us had money. I wasn't better. I just lived a block away. Yeah. I, I ain't living in the suburbs. I lived, I just didn't live in the projects. Yeah. I lived one block off. They know. You know the kids are in the surrounding project mm-hmm. areas. What was your first taste of like getting out of the projects and like kind of like coming into or a, getting little bit of, a little bit of like, well, you weren't in the projects, but getting out of that area and like getting into like, you know, where your career was kind of taking you and like something was working for you? Oh, well, it took a minute. But see, I had, I grew up in Guyana also, Georgetown, Guyana. Yeah. 
So I spent three years in New York and I spent three years in Guyana. Mm -hmm. So I saw poverty from both sides, right? So we were poor in Guyana as well, but my pops, we were like, we were hood rich. We were put hood rich. You know, the niggas that be in the projects yeah. and they got the bends outside. Yeah. But they live in the peas. Mm -hmm. So we were hood rich like that because we still lived in the hood. My dad had a scooter and a car. Yeah. So we were lit. <laughs> right. So I got to see another type of poverty. So for me, I knew that I could do better. I knew I could go further. Mm -hmm. I saw poor in U.S. meant you had food stamps and you had government subsidized. Yeah living in poor in Guyana meant it's mango right here. You got to sell it today. Yeah. Because if you don't sell it, you can't buy the kerosene to light the lamp. It's more of a hustle To illuminate the gas. It's different. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had the advantage of knowing that there was another bottom. Mm -hmm. I was from the bottom and I saw another bottom. Yeah. So I knew I could go further. You started off like in your career doing more writing than your own music yeah how'd you how did you get into that did you always know that you were good with words and and melodies and, and i suspected i thought i'd be good mm -hmm. i always wanted to be a writer but i thought i was like in my mind my career was gonna go i was gonna have this i was gonna be that uh, i was gonna be staying at bon jovi or something like that whatever <laughs> this is like a, ro a rock yeah, legend yeah, yeah. right something that's so huge and then at the end of it i'll coast off into the sunset with me and my 19 wives <laughs> In our four Laguna Beach houses. <laughs> yeah. And then I would start writing for people. That's how I thought it would have went. Nah, I didn't go that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I I was putting out music. I was making music. And then uh, the opportunity landed. The first music executive that I'd ever heard from, the first mm -hmm. person I'd ever talked to at a major level, he reached out. I, I wrote a song for a friend of mine, and he reached out. Yeah. And he said, come to L.A. And we came to L.A., me and my homie. And he told us about writing. He was like, yo, bitch, these songs, write them, and I'll put them, I'll put them up as an option for an artist, an artist, meaning I'll send them to whoever is controlling the artist's project and give it an opportunity. Mm -hmm. We tried. We failed. The first time I did it, we yeah. failed. I was, the songs weren't good enough. See, I thought it, you were about to tell me the first time. Nah, The nah, first nah, nah, song nah. that I sold was to was Usher or something like nah. that. I didn't, I didn't have, I don't have one of those lucky stories. Yeah. I had a hard-fought story that just came from time and resilience. Mm -hmm. You understand? I was just like, all right, cool. Let me just stick it out. Yeah. I was like, I'm young enough to just stick it out. I could just, I, look, time is just, time is a concept, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the only true currency. So whenever it really happens for you, it happens. And I knew as long as I didn't quit before, the, the day before things took off of me, I'd be in a great place. Mm -hmm. So I got the opportunity to write. So I stopped making music as an artist and I delved into writing and I started writing for a bunch of artists. I wrote for, you know, some people, mm -hmm. whoever has Google they could use. Yeah. I wrote for like Usher, yeah. um, Nico and Vince and Kaiser and a couple other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How how does does that how did that feel for you, you know, like knowing that you wanted to be this rock star, this artist, and then you, you went and you started doing some writing, was it like you were kind of caged for a moment or you No, it was my choice. It's my choice. I was I I had experienced a significant amount of failure, at least in putting out music myself. I was watching it fail, and a door opened up. So a window closed, and the door opened up, and I walked through the walked through the door. Mm -hmm. It was an opportunity, and I took it. Yeah, like you got to be able to recognize when the universe or the world gives you opportunities. Mm -hmm. The story doesn't have to play out the way you think it does. It just has to end the way it's supposed to. I love that. And I took the opportunity and I went into writing for years and I just kept my head down and I realized the value of being a contributor. Mm -hmm. The value of the first time you walk into a room and you say, hey, I got something to offer. 
as opposed to I need something from you. Yo, Dustin, can you help me build my career? Or Dustin, is there anything you need a song for? I can give it to you. Yeah. You it's, see, it's a difference. It's a difference right? in, in the way that you come across. So I changed my approach and I started writing and I became a conduit for other people's dreams and that was helpful for me to understand what I really wanted to see. Yeah. You put out the project collection one and, and for me that was really my first uh, listen to your music. Right. And as an artist that I, I, ha I didn't know anything about before that, the project in itself is so full and tells so many stories and is just like an amazing body of work. Where's your head at? putting that project together because it seems so polished mm. for someone that hadn't that didn't have this career behind them before that right well here's the thing all it had to be was the way i saw the world mm -hmm. right i get to put the ribbon and the bow on it mm -hmm. i get to start it and i get to end it and it's you know it's my story yeah it's funny is that you've investigated collection one so you know what it's about for some people just from a superficial point of view they might listen to it and on surface it sounds like it just sounds glamorous yeah but it's not mm -hmm. it's hopeful and desperate and i'm getting into things yeah. it's it's unfair for me to do this and i never do this i never tell people how to consume music i don't mm -hmm. believe in that um, but there's multiples of layers to anything yeah you see a blue car and you just see a blue car and somebody else sees the shape of the car and the colors that have to be blended to make the hue blue and somebody else mm -hmm. sees the way the blue reflects against the light and yeah. whatever the fuck people do right yeah but there was so many layers to collection one and you got it so for me what it took to put that together i had to live for sure i did a lot of fucking living i did a lot of failing a lot of living fucking up regrets just all these things that go into that and then i was experiencing change in my life too at the same mm -hmm. time i was experiencing growth like in an obvious way, things were changing around me and I, mm -hmm. you get to see this conflicts on collection one. Well, yeah, like I, I, I really zoned in on, on the, the song Selfish. Yeah. Because for me, like I could put myself in that place, but it's an interesting way and, and you, you have to go back and listen to that song because right. it's just such a different way to think about that situation that those two people are in. Absolutely. And I wrote that song selfishly because I wrote it, I wrote, you know, for the people that haven't heard it, mm -hmm. I wish we were both somebody else mm -hmm. so we wouldn't be somebody else's. Yeah. When I, the first time I heard that, I was like, I literally stopped and like really thought about it and was like, wow. Yeah. Like you never think of it in that way. But that's it. Mm -hmm. That's which if you if you got a girl and she got a man, mm -hmm. you kind of wish you weren't who you were and she wasn't who she is so you could be together. Yeah. You have to take yourself all the way out of your life because mm -hmm. you can't. You clearly can't change your life enough to make it work. Yeah. So you got to remove yourself from it. You got to wish you were someone yeah. just so you and her could find each other. That was, you know, I went through that. Mm -hmm. And that was a vulnerable place to be. And it was cool. I'm cool with being vulnerable. And that's the thing. I think you see that and you hear that in your music. You're, you're okay with telling how you actually feel. Which yeah. Is, you know, as a, as a consumer and as someone that, that, that works in the industry, it's tough sometimes to find that. You know, like artists be putting out music that is... I want, don't want to say shallow, but like one dimensional almost. Sure. You know, so it's great to have music out there that we can consume like that and really think about stuff. Yeah. You went on tour this year. Uh, you you uh, opened for Post Malone. Yeah. And then prior to that, you after that, you did your own tour. What was what was touring with, with Post like? It's cool. His team is super cool. He's super cool. It's easy. We get along so well because... I think our philosophies are similar. We just want to make cool shit. I was going to say that. Like, I've spent a, bit, a little bit of time with Post, and I, I, I get that same, you know, like, he, 
he's gone through a lot. He's very yeah. vulnerable in his in his mm-hmm. music. And you hear that even someone that uh, you probably know Paris. You know Paris? Uh, so Paris. Paris he, he, he's definitely go and listen to his music. Uh-huh. He he's homies with Post. And is it with the with is it the band? No, it's one one guy. Okay. Yeah. So, right. it's, but the music is similar to like Post and the vulnerability and the storytelling ability of this gotcha. guy. And I was talking to Post about it, and he brought you up, and I was like, I, I I've t- and I've tell many people that Collection One is my favorite album that I've listened to in 2018. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um. And then you you managed to you know you, you you did your own tour. Yeah, I did two of my own tours this year. Two of your own tours, yeah. and I and I had seen your your post about the one at uh, I think it was at the Observatory. Yeah. Talk to me about that moment. Oh man. To headline the Observatory. So in 2016, post that was the first time him and I met, and I was on tour with him, the West Coast leg of his Hollywood Dreams tour. Mm-hmm. And we did the Observatory, and I opened up. I was the first of four. Mm-hmm. For the people that don't know what the first of four means, that <laughs> means tough. there's the headline act who you pay your dollar, your $25, 30 to come see. And then there's somebody who supports him. That's mm-hmm. what it's called. You support. You're in a supporting slot. You're, yeah. the, you're the second up the bat. And they're directly there. Right? So you might not come to see the headliner, but you might come see the support. Yeah. And then there's an opener who you probably ain't really come to see. But there's an opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. There's a sub-level. I was the opener's opener. Me. Somebody went. Somebody else went. And then Post went. And I was cool because I was just happy for the opportunity. Yeah. I just wanted to work. I just wanted people to hear what I had to say. Mm-hmm. I just wanted people to see the ex- me express this art, this thing I was making in my head. I just wanted to know I wasn't crazy. Yeah. When you in the kitchen or you in the whatever, whatever you call it, and you're making something, you're brewing it, it's just you and whoever's in that kitchen with you cooking that concoction. And half of the time, y'all think y'all crazy. Yeah. For real, because nobody sure. else can substantiate that what you're doing isn't crazy. Yeah. You want to make a what? They can't see the end goal. Yeah. They know what's in your mind. Imagine the first person's like, I want to make a car without a top. Yeah. What? What are you talking about? But him or her in that room with the four or five people. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they weren't crazy. This drop top is real. It's yeah, really, yeah, this drop it's top is really real. real. It's real beautiful <laughs> as well. It's, it's what I we feel call. Bad for sitting on it. Nah, it's okay. Enjoy yourself. So, how was the you moment when you got to have your own? You know, you my own tour. stage at the observatory. So, bring it back full circle. We mm-hmm. were doing, doing the observatory in 2016, and then in 2018, I did the smaller room mm-hmm. in Santa Ana called Constellation Room. The Constellation Room, I think. And it was a smaller room, and that was the first half of my tour. Yeah, oh, and we sold that out. This piece of the story. Yeah, so it sold. I sold that out, and six months ago. Yeah, and then we came back, six months later, same tour, same album. <laughs> Observatory. This time it was me. I was headlining when wow. I was stage, and it was surreal because I remember being there. I remember the room I was in when I was the first time. So for me, that was. That was, that was incredible. Um, thank you so much. It feels cool just to think about it. And it might not mean anything to anyone else. It's all about these sentimental moments to help you along in your journey and my journey. I think it means, I That's think it, a means moment. it means a lot to your fans and people that connect with you because to see your excitement level yeah. behind that and, and, and that, you know, it, it, it makes them feel like, wow, like I'm part of something. Absolutely. And there were people that discovered me at that show that came to that show that came to the next one in the observatory 24 months later. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yo, fam, 
I, and I feel like I'm their story and my story intertwined because mm-hmm. they're watching the growth yeah. and they're believing they're invested. I'm invested in them because mm-hmm. I want them to know that this is real. If it's real for me, it's real for them too. I see the same excitement when we walk around the room and you're you're talking about your fashion. You know, Christian yeah. Sex Club. Um, Thank you for the shirt you got. You gave me the other day. <laughs> I, wore it, I wore it over the weekend, and I got stopped. I can't even imagine how remember how many times I got stopped. You had the black. Questions. It's the black one, right? The all white with the, the all white red, with the red CSC. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fly, and uh, and yeah, I got stopped so many times and asked about what it was. What is Christian Sex Club to you? You know, like what is that that brand in the fashion line? It's a conversation. For one, Christian Sex Club is a brand. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in merch, so I didn't make merch. Mm-hmm. I wanted to believe. I believe in premium quality, cre- premium quality products at an affordable price, mm-hmm. right? It has become something you say over and over and over as a mantra in your head: premium quality products at an affordable mm-hmm. price. Because I believe in that, yeah. And I want to live there. I remember growing up, and all the super cool things were inaccessible. I couldn't afford them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford them. Yeah. I wanted to wear silk. I couldn't afford it. Poor kid in Brooklyn. Silk was on TV. Silk was the guys on the yachts and the speedboats. Yeah. Now I'm making things that are cut and sew. They're cut and sew. They're not and blank there's shirts. Like, there's an experience to your your your. Uh, I was I was speaking to um, forgot his name now. Um, Rennie Penny is yes. it Rennie Penny? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we were talking about the experience behind you know like taking the shirt out of the bag. Yeah. Taking the the, the tissue paper out of For sure. between the shirt. Where's that come from? You know what I mean? Because that's a really uh, almost next level way of thinking. I'm a consumer. Mm-hmm. All I am is a consumer. All I want is the coolest shit on earth. Yeah. And all I want is to be able to afford it. I want to go in the store, see something I like, and buy it and not feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. You know that feeling? Yeah. Like, oh, man, I just... Oh, and you regret <laughs> it. And you yeah, think yeah, about yeah, taking yeah. it back. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to keep the tag on. You yeah. just That just yeah, makes yeah, brings yeah. you comfort. For sure. Yeah. I'm So I'm the guy that I... I want to speak to that person, that girl or that guy. I speak to them on a daily basis because I'm them no matter where I am in my life, mm-hmm. no matter where I am socioeconomically, no matter, meaning no matter how much money I have or don't have, I'm adjusting for that. Yeah. I'm adjusting for the nigga from Brooklyn in his bedroom going, this $70. That's dope, yeah. That's dope to hear. You have this team around you, which like I've, I've over the last, you know, like month or so, I've got to like meet a lot of your team, you know? Yeah. I feel like you've built this team that like has this one goal and like is like pretty in sync. Yeah, which yeah. It's tough to find. How, how did that kind of happen for you? Like how do you have these people around you that are so on your wavelength of what you want? We're all crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we're all nuts. That's the truth. That's we, all, we all think that we can do everything better. Mm-hmm. We're arrogant in that way. What I mean by that is, I walk in this room and I see this wall and I go, that's how they did this wall? Fam, if we did this wall, the wall would have... And that's where it starts. Yeah. Because we think we can do everything better. Mm-hmm. Because we just want a better product out of any of our experiences. Oh, that car could be cooler. Yeah. Oh, that shirt would be lit if it was like this. Mm-hmm. And we're crazy enough to think we can do it. And just for the, only, for the purpose of satisfying our own curiosity and creativity. And it didn't happen over, overnight. This creative ensemble cast that I have... These brilliant idiots. I call this what? It, what's the name? The uh, beautiful failures. The beautiful failures. Yeah. What's that mean? Because we've all failed. All the people around me mm-hmm. have failed immensely, and I only want people around me that understand failure. Mm-hmm. Anyone that only understands success, success. the yeah. minute failure comes and trembles, they can't regroup. Yeah. I want people to know failure well, mm-hmm. understand the taste of it, know what it smells like in the air, 
So they know when to make a hard left when we need to make a hard left. Yeah. So everyone in my team comes from that. Everyone from the music portion, everyone from the creative portion, everyone from the fashion element. Mm-hmm. And none of us is snobby about it. No, you don't get that at all. We just want to make better music, better clothes, better experiences. Mm-hmm. Like we want to make better bags. We want to make. We just want to make things. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough to be around people that want to make things. You're in the process now. Well, actually, you you said that the the next project is is done or ninety ninety percent. No, it's done. I mean, it's good to go. All yeah. I want to do is go plug in some words that I didn't get a chance to plug in before. The next one, Ghetto Lenny's Love Songs for Christians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> Ghetto Lenny's love songs for Christians. Yeah. Have you had that title in your mind for a while? I wanted to do it. I know what I want to do. I wanted to do it. What's uh? What can people expect from this? Aggressive. This it's a winter collection. Mm-hmm. I think of music in terms of collections. Like, if Alexander Wang was putting out a new project, it'd be you know his collection AW19. You understand? Mm-hmm. Spring 19. I put out collection one. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now this one is about to be Ghetto Lenny's Love Songs for Christians, a winter collection. So expect it to be aggressive. And when can we expect this project? Top of the year. Top of the year. Yeah, we ain't got to wait long? No, you ain't got to wait long. Awesome. Yeah. Man, St. Saint, St. John, amazing sitting down with you. And thank you, know, you Thank you for the music you put out and the energy. You know, you like it really uh, allows people to see inside of what your, is in your mind, yeah. but also escape what's going on in theirs. I'm here for it. Hell yeah. Thank you, bro. My guy. Yeah, man. Fire. So good, bro. This so is good. good. This is a, I think this is my first like in-depth um, conversation I've ever had. From a young age, he knew he would be rich. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. I've never known anyone as focused as he is. It's amazing. He is humble enough to know everybody is ignorant on different subjects. There are no mistakes. There really aren't any because you have a supreme destiny. Most things that I'm involved with are extension of being creative. Plant your seed in the ground, water it, and believe. Do things that are true to you.